The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday weekend to you all. We've come to the conclusion of another week here on Fantasy NBA Today, and I have to admit, I started to kind of forget what uh, what week we were in. Let's see, regular season ended on May the 16th, so there's 5, 10, 15, through the 4th, 20. Oh, my goodness. This is show 25 of the NBA offseason. We're actually a month into the fantasy offseason already. How the hell did that happen? Well, in any event, welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. It's Friday, June the 18th. This is our weekend edition of the program. Thank you for uh, coming along for the ride here. And as you guys know at this point, the weekend shows are really all about playing basketball catch-up. Because during the week, we go pretty, pretty damn heavy on the... Uh, the fantasy side of things. Yesterday, we managed to make it through a handful of our Dan Vespers old man squad guys. That's always fun to, to play around with. Um, but I thought Friday's the weekend. That's really an opportunity for us to start to decompress our brains. That's our decompression time. We don't need to be fully bothered with this stuff. We can get back around to it on Monday. It's not a big deal. We're not running out of time or anything. And look, the worst case scenario is that we end up spending a little extra time on basketball. We spend a little longer to get through all the fantasy stuff. And you know what? We either skip or we condense our team-by-team breakdowns. Or, and this is my favorite, we just are suddenly at free agency and nobody really knows how we got there. We're actually only like six weeks away from free agency now. We're almost halfway to it from the end of the... Uh, the end of the NBA regular season. Playoffs will be over in about a month. Uh, yeah, actually about a month. That's right. It's about two weeks for each of the two remaining two rounds. And then you've got the draft, and like two weeks after that is free agency, which I realize is basically the same as a normal NBA offseason, but the difference this year is that a normal NBA offseason – all of that stuff happens in late June and then early July. This year it's going to be early or late July and then early August. But the season's going to start in October either way. So the ramp up comes quick after that. There is minimal time to, uh, to process all of that stuff. And there'll be some cool stuff going on at Hoopball. I'll tell you guys all about that when we get there. For now, just please do check out what the guys are putting together over at Hoopball. Hoop-ball.com, the website. There's actually premium content this offseason for the first time, I think, ever at Hoopball. So that's really cool. Reason for folks to hang around on the various subscriptions. And thanks to the uh, inclusion now of betting and DFS, there's really stuff going on all the time at Hoopball. There's really there's no break in the action. So I hope you guys are enjoying all of that. Uh, again, this is Fantasy NBA Today, the weekend edition, Friday weekend edition. Let's just go ahead and dive on into things. First things first, quick Thursday recap. Just one game on Thursday night, and it was a runaway. Milwaukee got off to an 18-2 start, or was it three? And while the game did ultimately sort of inch closer 
after that point, Brooklyn got to within like seven to 10 points for a couple of stretches. And then it hung out in that range for a while. Milwaukee pulled away in the fourth quarter and they got what they needed to out of, in particular, Chris Middleton. He was always going to be the key to anything they do in the playoffs because teams are going to defend Giannis the same way every time. They're going to sag way the hell off of him on defense, and he's not going to be the facilitator that we're used to seeing from Giannis during the regular season. Think about it. Giannis averaged six assists a game during the regular season. You're just not really going to see that against... uh, Most anyone in the playoffs, there will be some bad teams that just sort of can't do anything about it, but he's not the, he's not the facilitator. He had a 15 assist game against Miami. That was the one where they finished off Miami and you could see the heat were kind of ready to roll over. But for the most part, uh, against the heat, it went five, six, five, 15. So he ended up averaging more than the six he had in the regular season. But outside of that last game, It was ever so slightly less. And then this series against Brooklyn, who's done, I would say, a more disciplined job of backing off on Giannis. He's had four, four, two, three, four, and three assists. Because it's damn hard to pass to open teammates if the defense isn't bringing other people. And so for a while in this series, you saw a lot of Giannis just trying to take whatever sort of wank defender the Nets were throwing at him Blake Griffin sagging back 10 feet and Giannis was getting called for charges Jeff Green actually did an okay job of of kind of staying in front of him Giannis shooting just 51 ish eh, slightly better than that after this last ball game like 52 53 percent during this this postseason run for the Bucks is uh not great I mean that's that's significantly sub what you'd expect from Giannis. So what did we see on Thursday and how does that translate towards what we might see in a game seven of this series? Well, we saw the Bucks do what they did a little bit of in game five in Brooklyn, which was have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton do a lot of the initiating of the offense And that's going to allow those guys to get a lot of clean, I mean real clean, like wide open looks. The key is they're going to probably be jumpers and they're going to have to knock them down. This game from Middleton in particular was a very good sign. And the series has gone as Middleton has gone. It's basically a one-to-one correlation at this point. I mean, we can go through the, uh, the, the running tally of what Chris has done and what the, the game result has been. So let's actually just do that right now. That'll be a fun exercise for us. Game one, a relatively ugly loss. Chris Middleton, six for 23. 13 points on 23 shots. 0 for 5 from downtown. Game two. An uglier loss. Game one was actually somewhat competitive. Seven for 20. 17 points on 20 shots. Game three, a Milwaukee narrow victory. Chris Middleton, 35 points on 25 shots. 12 of 25 shooting, three of six from downtown. Game four, 
a relatively easy win, actually, uh, for Milwaukee. Middleton, 19 points on 15 shots. The game was uh, pretty well in hand, but he shot 47%. He just he didn't get quite as many looks in that one. The Bucks just sort of got going and uh, rolled their way through. Games, game five, Middleton, 8 for 22. 3 of 10 from downtown. He did it six free throws to get him up to 25 points, but it's the efficiency. And then this last one, uh, again, a relatively easy win for Milwaukee after getting off to a quick start. Middleton, who didn't even have to play the entire ballgame, still logged his 43 minutes. They didn't screw around, finally. 38 points on 16 shots. You knew that was going to be a win. That's all you need to do is look at Middleton's box, and you'll know how the game's going. Here's the thing for Chris. Postseason so far, prior to this ball game, this Thursday game, he was shooting 42%. That's not going to get it done. They need him, and they need, to a lesser extent, Drew Holiday to make their wide-open shots. Because if they use Giannis as a screener, Giannis's defender is probably not coming out to the three-point line. Because on the switch, I don't know, like let's say Harden was guarding Middleton for a bunch of the ballgame. Harden's playing on a balky hamstring. Uh, I don't think they want... Harden switching on to Giannis and Giannis rolling towards the rim. That's a dunk incoming or a foul at the very least. Or if it's Drew setting the screen, whoever the hell that is for the Nets right now that's that's guarding Drew Holiday. Who the hell uh, is it Joe Harris basically at that point? I guess it could be Joe on Middleton. They might switch him around a little bit. Either way, you've got Giannis now rolling towards the rim against one of those guys. He can Eurostep around those guys in a way that he can't when the defender is sagging back. Now, the, op- the, the other thing is, well, what if Giannis comes to set a screen and the ball handler's defender retreats as the other guy is coming up? Shoot! <laughs> That's it. Shoot. So they're preventing Giannis from getting towards the rim, but again, they're not guarding the ball handler. And that's going to be Middleton, and that's going to be Drew Holiday. So those guys have to make them pay. And Holiday still didn't really make them pay in this ballgame that, once again, Milwaukee won fairly easily. Drew, in these, post- these playoffs, is shooting 43% after hitting 50% during the regular season. He has tailed off in almost every imaginable way. And there's been, like, one decent game for him in this series and it was when they were getting waxed anyway he was okay against Miami but he wasn't a world beater in that series either so they really need Drew Holiday to wake the hell up because he and Middleton need to be confident enough to take those shots because they're gonna get them it's gonna be a fun ball game this one goes back to Brooklyn for a game seven that will be on Saturday I don't have a line on that game yet I'm sure we'll have it uh and within a couple of hours, recording this podcast late, late at night before they put out the next one. Uh, if the last ball game is any indicator, with Harden in, that one closed at Milwaukee by one. So it'll probably be pretty close to a pick on Saturday. Total in that one that, that ended on 222 was 222. Uh, I was a bit worried that the total had come down too far, but we were still leaning under, and under was absolutely the play because as this series has gone on, things have slowed down, as they do. Defenses have have made adjustments and things have slowed. Fairly straightforward. Also, you knew from that last ballgame that just barely did make it to 222 that 
it was going to take Kevin Durant going buck wild to get it to 222. That one really sort of had no business uh, getting as high as it did. Think about it from that perspective. There are also a ton of free throws in that game, so a lot of things were set to even out in this one in Milwaukee. Now, uh, this last one in Brooklyn, game seven's usually pretty tight, usually pretty slow. I would lean pretty hard to the under without even seeing the number. As far as the side goes, I got nothing. I got nothing. If it's a pick that's because nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. Who do you think is going to win? I, I'm still... I, I talk about it on the podcast. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me every game for three off playoffs in a row. Definitely shame on me. That's where I'm at with the Milwaukee Bucks at this point. But I believe they should win this game with a bad... With a very much unhealthy James Harden. And it's Kevin Durant kind of against the world. Milwaukee's got to win that. They do. They have to. But we've been fooled before. Tonight, Philly in Atlanta. Now it's the Sixers hanging on by a thread. Philadelphia three-point favorites with a total of 221 and a half. The Hawks have demoralized the 76ers. Does Philly have a bounce back in the tank because I've watched a lot of the games in this series. Philly's defense has actually been pretty good. Trey young. He got his points at the free throw line for the most part. If, if Philly can figure out a way to defend without fouling on Trey, that should be in pretty good shape. I'm looking at the results from that last ball game and you know, the team's underachieved for the most part because the shooting wasn't great and the turnovers weren't great, but the free throws were pretty high. So they've now finally adjusted the number down. Uh, ball game on Wednesday finished at uh, 215 points. Total was 224 in that ball game. This total is at 221. I think it's relatively accurate. Game six in Atlanta. Hawks want to try to open it up a little bit. Six are going to try to grind it to a halt the way they have been. They're going to, uh, I think, hope that they get something from a, a player besides Embiid and Seth Curry. For the Hawks, they're just confident right now. There's no deficit. They feel like they're out of the ball game. I didn't even feel like they played that great. It was just that the Sixers totally melted down now two games in a row. That has to become a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point, doesn't it? Sixers need Tobias Harris to be good. I don't know if he's gonna, but that's what they need. And it's not a great matchup for him. John Collins is a pretty good defender from a, for a power forward. He was not a good defender at center. He can handle himself a bit better against guys that are closer to his height on the floor. You know, this was a series that just had massive Sixers advantage written all over it, and they just haven't been able to capitalize. It's, it's remarkable. I can't, I can't figure out how the Sixers are biffing this the way that they are, but they are. Can't figure out how it's being biffed, but it's being biffed. What are they going to do about Ben Simmons? I think it's probably too late to change what he's expected to do on a basketball court. He's deep in his own noggin at the free throw line, so that's not going anywhere in these playoffs. That, that's that, No way that's getting fixed in the next two days. I don't know, man. I think Philly might be done. I do think that this one opens up a little bit. I have to, mostly because I think it's going to be somewhat close. I think Philly's going to be behind late, and then there's going to be a whole bunch of fouling. So you're going to see a lot of free throws. If they make them, this game goes over. That's my handicap on uh, game one this evening. 
And game two tonight is a very interesting one. Utah is in L.A. The Clippers, likely without Kawhi Leonard, are a one-and-a-half-point underdog at Staples Center with a total of 219. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, I'd be very surprised if Utah didn't have a better game plan than they had at their place. I didn't think that you'd see injured star theory take hold during a, a playoff series but I think it did. The Clippers were able to move the basketball better. They played faster in that game. Not that they took rushed shots. That's inaccurate because they very much overachieved the pace of the ball game. They just got good shots. They moved the ball. They didn't isolate all that much. And guys hit a ton of buckets. That's not likely to be the case two games in a row. And it could. It could. For Utah's sake, they were able to kind of hold tread water in this game they weren't great but they were okay offensively Boyan Bogdanovich was very good Donovan Mitchell's playing on a bum ankle we've heard about that now so he's doing the best he can but the Clippers have done a, a pretty good job of slowing him down after a, a raucous start to this series so the handicap on this one has to be looking at the pace of the last ball game and deciding whether or not the teams can overachieve as much as they did because this one at 230 but that was heavily because of how well the Clippers performed. Only 10 turnovers, 84% at the free throw line. That's uh, 21 for 25. 16 three-pointers on 51% shooting. That was a damn near perfect offensive game for the Clips. Very, very close. So I'm of the opinion the Clippers don't do as well offensively in this game at home. But then there's the other side of this, which is... Are the Jazz going to hit 23-pointers? That's what they're gunning for most games. But they, like this is probably about as good as they get if they don't have one of their crazy 50% shooting type of games. Jazz actually, believe it or not, overachieved by a little bit as well in this one, despite shooting only 45% because they made so many damn three-pointers. So many damn three-pointers. So this is a ball game that, by all accounts, probably should have been... If you were looking just up based on expected number of points put up on, on the speed of the actual ball game, the Clippers probably should have been in about the 105 range. And the Jazz, actually not that far away from that, they probably should have been about the 107 range. Clippers were just more efficient. So 212 was probably your expected pace on this game, and then they just hit a whole ton of shots. Which is why, by the way, the total... Didn't move off the last ball game. Oddsmakers feel like they've got it right at 219 because the expectation is the pace is about 212 and they'll probably overachieve a little bit because they're floor spacing and they're banging in three-pointers. It's going to be a lot of outside shooting, so a lot of threes, long rebounds, threes going back the other way. Oddsmakers feel pretty confident, and I, I would, I do too. I don't think these teams shoot as well as they did on Wednesday. I think you're probably looking at an underplay as the Jazz adjust to playing the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And on the side, I really have no idea. I I would lean Jazz. I don't think, you know, there's this, man, people pivot on a whim. Look, you guys know I'm not a big fan of Paul George. The way he has conducted himself throughout his NBA career. There's a whole lot of bluster there's a lot of talk like he's won a championship or something weird. There's like a weird bravado that doesn't fit the results. It's strange. And then 
the thing that really pissed me off about Paul George was signing a four-year deal in OKC and then asking out after one. That's pretty crummy. And that wasn't even a team that was trying to blow it up. It's not like he was on a rebuild team. He was with Russ, and they were decent the year before. They just got roasted by Damian Lillard. And they weren't good good, but they weren't bad. He wasn't like the last man standing on uh, a rebuilding basketball team. The Thunder were seemingly, for all intents and purposes, trying to compete. They signed Paul George long-term. They had signed Russell Westbrook long-term. They were going to build around those two guys those were going to be the superstars. They weren't going to win a championship with that roster, but they were going to be pretty good. And Paul George said, ah, Kawhi Leonard called. He uh, told me to bust out of my contract after one year, which was so dumb because he didn't even really interview with other teams before signing that four-year deal. I get it. Listen, guys, I hope that what I just said doesn't make you think differently about the way I've presented myself on this podcast. For four and some odd years, you guys have been listening to me. I am 100% about player empowerment. I actually like that Kawhi Leonard was trying to pull all kinds of strings and met with three, four, five teams that could all offer him a ton of money and see what they could do for him to make it the right fit. That part I actually don't mind. What really bugged the crap out of me was Paul George not even talking to other teams Making his call, oh, yeah, it's fine, I'll just stay in OKC. And then after one more year, probably less than that, because the players talked to one another, after less than one more year, he was just like, "Eh, yeah, you know, I could go somewhere else. That'd be fine. (laughs) Should be fine. (laughs) It's so stupid. Ah, well. Anyway, he had a really good ball game, and uh, we don't want to overlook that. He played really well. So now all the people that have been clowning on Paul George were like, oh, he's, he's great now. He's perfect. Yeah, he had a really good ball game. He did. Let's see him do it again. He might. He might. What would you put it at? 30% odds he can do it again? It's not bad, actually, considering how big of a ball game it was. But I don't think you're going to get three threes apiece from Batum, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris. Terrence Mann has actually played really well for the Clippers. And who knows? Maybe they close this thing out. Because Donovan Mitchell is banged up, and without him, the Jazz don't really have a way to uh, get their normal offense. But, I don't know. Slight lean to Utah. I, I, I think the Jazz might actually still win this series, unless Kawhi does manage to get himself back into the mix. I just, I can't, I can't fathom the Clippers advancing without Kawhi Leonard. Although, if they do, they'll get a Suns team that doesn't have Chris Paul. So... Stupid playoffs. Ah, well. So that's where we're at. That's where the uh, the playoffs are at. The Suns lie in wait. We don't have really any series stuff to worry about at this point because the remaining series going on are all very, very deep in them. We have a Game 7 happening. And uh, two teams trying to force a Game 7 tonight, which is super cool. I'll be talking about it all weekend long on the Twitter whenever I can pull myself away from whatever other stuff is going on in life and uh and yeah i'm sure i'll have thoughts so that only took about 20 some odd minutes which means we do have time to do just a little bit of dan vespers old man squad i was wondering if we'd have the minutes to do so and we do but first a shout out to our friends at my bookie.ag i've told you before i will tell you again if you'd like to have a cash account Hit me up. 
I have prizes. MyBookie.ag. It works everywhere in North America. Because they are not based stateside. That's how they're able to service every state in the U.S. I'm in California. works fine where I'm at. Uh, I've not had anyone encounter a problem. They actually work in like 100 different countries, believe it or not, which is pretty damn cool. Uh, we have folks in New Zealand that have signed up, and they're using it just fine. So if you've been thinking about testing it out, this is a marvelous time to do so. Because I can get you an actual cash starting account. So bug me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, and just send me a note that says, Dan, interested in my bookie, and I will hook it up. It's super easy. MyBookie.ag. You bet you win. They pay. By the way, I've got to think that we're now with football kind of around the corner. We're probably coming up on some odds boost stuff. Or, ooh, maybe they'll have another uh, survivor pool. I can't believe I actually survived. I made it the whole damn year. I got a share of a giant prize, so my share was like 150 bucks or something like that. But whatever, I'll take it. That's fine. So they got contests. They got free blackjack you can play every day with actual cash prizes. You don't have to buy in if you don't want to. I was doing that for a while during the pandemic when I actually had a couple minutes here and there. Uh, I don't have a couple minutes here and there anymore, but it's a wonderful thing you can do. Uh, if you, you know, if like you're at the office, maybe you're not on a uh, behind a firewall or something. You could you could probably get there. You could VPN your way in, or if you're at home, play a few hands of blackjack. Go big or go home. You win three, four, five hands in a row. You might actually get yourself. 5, 10, 15, 30, $50 prize, something like that. So that's pretty cool also. That's all at mybookie.ag. They got every major sport. They got props. Player props are so big these days. They've got all of those, and we've got our guys over at Hoopball Game and putting them out. So please do hit me up. If you've been thinking about this at all, it's super easy. I'll do the legwork for you on setting up the account. All you got to do is pop in there, place a few bets, maybe win some money, and then cash out. Wicked awesome. And if you don't want to wait, here, there's another fun thing we can try. If you don't want to wait uh, on your cash out, I never thought about this before, but here's my offer. If, and I, and I hope you guys would trust me enough to do this, but with mybookie.ag and pretty much any offshore uh, betting unit, there are two ways to get your money. You can either use crypto, and that takes about 24 to 48 hours to cash out. It's super easy. I've done that about uh, 25 times in the last year. Uh, in and out of my account just for whatever reason. Very simple, minimal fees, you know, a couple bucks here and there. That's that's about it. You can also get a wire transfer, but there are some fees on that. There's also a much higher minimum for withdrawal, and it takes a few weeks for it to process. So what I'm now offering you guys is if you're not into crypto, I'm not really either, but I have an account, let me be your conduit. How's that for a pretty sweet offer? You guys can dump your, like, come to me. I'll help you open up an account with cash in it. That's a hoop ball prize. That's not me personally. But we'll put some money in your account. Let's say that you start with, like, 25 bucks, something easy like that. We put 25 bucks in your account, and I don't know, maybe you bet small for a while, and you work it up to 75. We'll, we'll talk small numbers here. And you're like, you know what? I really want to cash out part of this. I'll help you. I'll need a couple of bucks for the various fees and things of that nature, but I'll help you do it. Like, we can cash out through my crypto thing, and then I'll give you, like, 90% of it, and the rest will cover the fees of me having to move a bunch of crypto crap around. 
There's your prize. Or maybe you want your 25 bucks and you just let it ride. Maybe you'll win three, four, five bets in a row to start. You win 25, then 50, then 100, then 200. Screw it. You got four or 500 bucks in your account, cash out. I'll take like 10% to cover various fees or what. I don't even know what it is. It's probably less than that. Probably 5%. Uh, we'll figure it out on the fly. And you can take your money. Leave 50 bucks in there and keep gambling with it. No fuss, no muss. My bookie. And hoopball. Friends forever. Okay, so... We don't have that much time. Man, I really didn't want to do the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad today. I really wanted to save that for a show where we could dive in a whole bunch. But let's do one... I can't decide, guys. You know what? We're going to do one guy today because I don't want to have to talk about him on Monday, and that's our first miss in the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad, and it was... ADP of 45, late fourth round, early fifth round pick, Kyle Lowry, who was always a very risky pick. Among these guys that we'd already listed off, by the way, the old man squad to this point in the middle chunk, the superstars on discounts, for those that missed the show two days ago, was Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Jimmy Butler. And we missed on Paul George, but we hit on the other three. The old man squad to this point, which we talked about on yesterday's show, Thursdays, was Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, Chris Paul, Chris Middleton, big hits. All four of those guys were big hits. And then Kyle Lowry, who was our first miss in the old man squad. And the thing about Kyle Lowry is that there were a lot of pretty significant, pretty large, I mean, they were significant, question marks hanging over his season. We always knew it. He was in the last year of his contract, so he was a threat to be traded. He was on a Raptors team that was going to be playing in a, in Tampa, so we didn't know how that was going to go. And he's been banged up for uh, a while now. There really hasn't been a season that Kyle Lowry's made it through in one piece since 2017. So this one was probably kind of dumb, actually. The thought in my mind was, you know, Lowry's going to miss... I, I, would th- I had my money on about 15 or so games. 72-game season, I had him playing probably about 57. That was my target number. And he didn't get there. He played 46 regular season games this year. So it was a mess. Uh, COVID, injuries, team getting eliminated early. It all rolled together into a very bad season for Kyle Lowry. Additionally, he just wasn't as good this year. He had a per-game ranking of 56 which was his lowest in a really long time. Last year, he was at 19 points, five boards, seven and a half assists. The field goal percent was actually better this year, if you can believe that. Uh, Free throw percent was better this year, although the attempts were way down. Steals were down this year from 1.4 career mark down to just one. And that was, I would argue, probably the biggest source of issue because the scoring had been fluctuating a bit of late. Um, We needed the defensive stats. Or, I don't know, like half a three-pointer more or something. Because the seven and change assists was still pretty good. Five and a half rebounds was pretty good. Point guard rebounds well. He has for basically his entire career. He's a box-out artist. A little pudge ball of a fella. Uh, and the 43.5% shooting was actually above his career mark. So this season, this season really came down to the fact that he was down a half a steal a game. On the per-game side. But here's the thing. If he had posted 
per game marks of 56, he only would have been about a half round back of his ADP. No, that's not true. I guess it'd be about one round back of his ADP. So that would be, I would call that a failure, but a palatable failure. The problem is we went into the Kyle Lowry bet already knowing he wasn't going to make it through the full season. So there was no chance that durability was going to elevate his numbers. His only shot of getting to his ADP was outperforming his draft slot on a per-game basis, which I think we had every reason to believe he would. I mean, it, it, the, the Kyle Lowry running tally on per-game value, he was number 21 last year, thanks to the bigger steals numbers and the higher scoring. And really, it's kind of been a long time since the last time he was down in the 50s. He was 36 the year before that, 18-19, where again, he missed 17 ball games, but actually might have been more than that. Am I getting that number right? Uh, no, I think that was actually right. I think it, that, that, that sounds right to me. Because um, the assists were higher that year. That was the Kawhi season. So, you know, 50s was pretty unexpected. Drafting him in the late 40s, there was, I thought, a pretty easy assessment, a pretty easy assumption that he was going to put up per-game numbers in the late 30s at the worst. So then we just needed him to be around league average in durability, and he would have gotten to his mark. I stand by my handicap on his per-game numbers. But the problem with this particular handicap, which, again, I can't minimize it. The problem here is that not only was this already a guy who wasn't durable, he was a guy that was in jeopardy of being traded to a team where he wouldn't have been the A number one guy. And then it was in a season where a whole bunch of other stuff went wrong. If he was posting per game numbers in the 30s, which... I thought was a pretty reasonable target. 50s was crazy low. That was uh, a big surprise to me. And, and again, I think we can pin that pretty heavily on the steals numbers. Even if he was in the 30s on a per-game basis, you're still talking about a guy that missed like almost half the season. Well, that's not true, I guess. A little less than that. But uh, played in, what was the final number? 46? Is that what I said a second ago? Yikes. Yikes. You can't miss 26 games, even if you're slightly above your ADP target. Like, think about uh, someone during the regular season. Let's see if we can find an example here on the fly. This was not part of my scheduled topics, but we're here, so let's do it. Who played about 46 ball games? Miles Turner did. Miles Turner did. He was number 13 on a per-game basis, which obliterated his preseason rank, which was 52. And, you know, his actual totals rank was this year? 54. He creamed his ADP by three full rounds, but missed so many damn games that he actually came all the way back to it by totals. So that's what you would have needed out of Kyle Lowry. He basically would have needed to be... Uh, got on the turn, like he needed to be on the turn, missing this many ball games. And when you got a guy like that who's a, a constant injury risk, it's too much. The whole point of the old man squad are guys that are being undervalued because they're boring. Kyle Lowry was being undervalued because 
He's a massive injury risk. And, yeah, I mean, I just I can't really say that the handicap on his per-game stuff was all that far off. I, I think that was a bit more fluky. He's getting older, so it's possible that steal rate is dropping, but he may actually be an interesting bounce-back candidate next year whenever we find out where he's going to end up. And so that's our first miss in the old man squad. And looking back at it, there were a lot of reasons to say, you know what, this probably isn't worth it. Especially when you look at the guys around Kyle Lowry. He was, Yahoo adjusted him up to 41. He, he wasn't at 41 in most drafts, and he wasn't at 41 when we posted our sheet. He was 45 at that point. But the other guys around him, uh, Chris Middleton, who we just talked about, was right around him. Drew Holiday, who was set to take a pretty big hit, so I don't think that I would have gone that route. Demonis Sabonis, if you wanted to go just a little deeper, that's a much safer play. Hell, even Jonas Valanciunas, if you wanted to go even farther down the board. Beyond that, I think you're you're maybe dabbling a bit too much. As it turned out, you you wanted to go farther, but there are guys usually within striking distance that maybe don't have quite as many red flags. I get it, though. Even looking back now, just at the guys around Kyle Lowry on the Yahoo rank board, few to, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Drew Holiday's numbers holding this year, and I thought they'd bring his minutes and games in check, but he was quite good. Played in about league average number of games on the season. Sabonis, Christian Wood, that was a big risk to take. Jalen Brown, I thought was pretty accurately logged here and so Kyle Lowry actually made a little bit of sense at 45 but as it turned out there were just too many red flags it just seemed so easy for him to do better than that mark on a per game basis I would not be at all surprised to see Kyle Lowry go go later than this next year and we're gonna have to take a very long healthy look at Kyle Lowry and if as uh, our the great Aaron Brewski likes to say if the juice is worth the squeeze. Folks, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to do a uh, big-time Dan Vespers Old Man Squad dive on Monday. We'll also kind of weekend recap things a little bit on the NBA playoffs. We might have some more data on who's going to the next round, so we uh, probably have an opportunity to jump into some series prices there as well. This is Fantasy NBA Today, your Friday weekend edition, complete with actual fantasy. That was a nice surprise for all of us, wasn't it? La-di-da. I'm Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hit me up. Let me get you started over at MyBookie. I'm going to help you the whole way through. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk at you on Monday. So long.